Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven Fulham podcast. We are now streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Come join me and my dad and my brother and the wonderful community that we have built. Discuss the team that we love and all the wonderful things that are a part of it. We appreciate you all endlessly for following us on this fantastic journey that we are so blessed to be a part of. But let's not waste any more time. Jack, you play that intro and come on. You are from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under, here today after the 1-0 defeat to Aston Villa. And the European tour is officially on hold. Here to discuss the game, we have Elton. How are we going? Uh, yeah, a little bit flat, I have to admit. Um, just trying, trying to process where we are with all of this. Uh, but nevertheless, um, hello to everyone and uh, looking forward to having a chat about it. It's going to be an interesting one. Your camera is about, your video is about... 30 seconds behind your actual speech. So I'm just going to have to block you out for the rest of today. Um, yeah, look, I I agree, feeling completely flat today. It's uh, especially hard when you wake up at 2.30 in the morning to watch a game of football, really excited, looking forward to it all. And uh, you kind of fall in a heap afterwards because uh, it was just such a drab performance. I think we were really excited and looking forward to seeing something different off the back of a couple of wins where, we tried something different. We played a slightly different style of football and we, we, I think, were actually looking quite good and had a lot of attacking intent. And then this game, Dad, your thoughts, because you watched it this morning, you were smart and didn't wake up for the game, although that's yeah. uh, in hindsight now. But um, your thoughts in this game, just how poor was it in terms of a game of football between two top-half teams as well? <sighs> Yeah, as I said, I'm I'm honestly still trying to process this. Um, I and I'm trying to work out exactly what's going on here, and I I I, I have to ultimately feel for Marco Silva because I feel like honestly he he doesn't have all the tools that he needs to execute his plans, and and I think that. It, it is a manager's role to do the best he can with resources and the very best ones uh, conjure up incredible things. But to expect him to overachieve, not against a lowly, um, you know, side-facing relegation, but a, a, a very good team in good form is probably expecting just too much. Um, so I, I think I... Look, if you if you break it down, Jack, um, defensively, I thought we were pretty good actually. Um, I'd I'd be I'd defy anyone to say we were terrible in midfield, but once again up front, we we were really pathetic. I thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, we 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 really were, and the stats show it. We'll have a look at the the stats for the game soon, but. It's it's completely true. We were very lacklustre going forward. The first half, I thought, was just one of the poorest halves of football. And, you know, it started so well. We, um, from kickoff, really attacking move, obviously something that's been worked on on the training ground. We've seen it a few times where um, the, the player passes it back from the kickoff and it goes straight back to him again. And um, they try and work the ball down the flanks and then get a cross in. And, and we did create a chance. And I thought when that happened, I was like, oh, this is this is going to be great. We're looking really confident. Everything's looking really positive. And, I mean, when you look at the stats, and I, I'll, we'll pull them up for our live stream now, that was our only shot on goal for the whole game. And it happened 20 seconds into the game. It's just so disappointing. Uh, it's the first time since the game against Newcastle where we haven't had a shot on target. And we know in that game, obviously, we went down to 10 men. We got absolutely dominated by Newcastle in that game. Um, but I, I think, for me, I just expected more. And I know 
sort of trolling through Twitter before the game, there are a lot of there's a lot of apprehension, a lot of people a little bit worried of going into this fixture, not because Aston Villa are this incredible side or anything, but it just felt like we weren't going to get a result here. And geez, we really did not get a result here. And we just didn't show up. Did you think there's an element of tiredness? Were you expecting a few more changes to the starting lineup potentially? Well, <laughs> how can there be? You know, what's what's there to play with? Um, I, I'll tell you, I'll just take you elsewhere for a moment. Um, have you have you watched the um, uh, Boom Boom, the world versus Boris Becker uh, on Apple, no. Apple TV? Are we just uh, giving up on it. talking about the Fulham game? May, may, may as well, yeah. No, it's really good. It's and, and there's a reference here. There's a tie back. But, um, you know, in thinking about our season and just trying to manage my emotions through all of this, um, there's a great thing, Boris Becker, compelling viewing, by the way, got to watch it. Any sports fan, it's it's a, just a kind of amazing stroke, terrible story, but it's pretty pretty great viewing. Um, so highly recommend. The Boris Becker's taking um, the camera through Wimbledon, and as many people would know, um, above the entrance to Centre Court, there's uh, an inscription of Rudyard Kipling's poem or a line of Kipling's poem. If says, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. Um, and and essentially what, what it's saying is that, you know, you should ignore, you shouldn't get carried away by the, the sort of successes and triumphs or shouldn't be overly dismayed by disasters or disappointments in life because they're temporary and that shouldn't be your determine that shouldn't determine your self-worth right and i think there's something in that because if you know if you look at our season God, we've had some highs we had some terrific highs and we've had some maniacal moments up in manchester and some some pretty disappointing patches and yet our overall season if you stand back and if you think about this in the context of the last five or ten years has been wondrous and so enjoyable and this this is a good side who have done really well but you sort of I sort of feel like we find ourselves now at, at a point in the season where we, we're missing our main guy up front who if anything the, his, his absence tells us just how important he really is to this team if if we weren't already convinced um, and no matter what we try um, it's very difficult to replace the magic that is Alexander Mitrovic, both within the team and up front. And, you know, I I feel sorry for Silva. You know, we tried Dan James up front against Everton, who are not enjoying the best form at the moment. And, you know, it worked pretty well. And we had at least half a half a football that resulted in a goal and some exciting patches but against a very good opposition um like the one we came up against last night and again against um back harking back to brighton yeah we we, we struggled to play really well in any other format is that too harsh i don't think it is um and and i think it's it's not about the manager is not smart enough to come up with an alternative system, but we just don't seem to have the the depth and quality in those key positions to actually execute on that. And last night was partly about, to, to be fair to Dan James, he didn't get great service, but also his execution was pretty woeful, I thought. Well, I have to say, Sam's not here, but you really inhibited his spirit just then. Um, that was a proper Sam answer. I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, look, I agree. <laughs> I think um, it's it's a bit of a problem. And look, it was exasperated as well by the fact that um, we'd obviously selected Willian to start. He went down with apparently a bit of a hamstring complaint just before the game started, which forced Solomon to the starting lineup, which he obviously wasn't expecting. We're talking 
10 minutes before the game, if not slightly less, um, we got the news through that that had happened. So it was obviously very last minute. And then obviously losing Harry Wilson as well, who's in such great form at the moment, just 15 minutes into the game, not 100% sure what the issue was there. He was holding his stomach a bit and didn't look like he was limping or anything, but uh, he obviously wasn't feeling too well. Not sure if it's a bug or if he copped a, a very slight knock or something along those lines, but hopefully he recovers quickly from that. Um, those kind of things, they may not seem like big issues, but going into a game when you're prepared to play in a certain way and all of a sudden you lose your two starting wingers, uh, you know, we'd gone into that game expecting to have Willian Wilson and Dan James as our front three, and we go into the game with Dan James, Solomon and BDR, basically. Um and, you know, the guys just weren't on the same page last night. We saw quite a few times Solomon and Dan James playing balls to each other, and they just weren't there. There was one point Solomon went to just knock the ball for Dan James to run down the line and, and basically attack the attack the goal line. Um, and Dan James just didn't pick up on what Solomon was doing. The ball just casually rolled out of play for a goal kick. And unfortunately... It, it just wasn't the lineup that you know Silver wanted to put out there. And um, <clears throat> I, you shared a, a tweet with me as well, with me and Sam earlier this week. I'll see if I can bring it up on um, on the live feed for everyone following along. Uh, it's from Paul Brown at PBS Sports Writer on Twitter. Marco Silver also said this to me today in the embargoed section of his presser. We have to spend next season a lot of money. The money has to be there. We have to be competitive and improve the squad. No chance to go in a different direction. Uh, it's a really interesting tweet, and I questioned it as well when you sent it through to me as if you thought it was uh, positive or negative. And I actually think that sounds almost quite negative in the fact that Silver still hasn't agreed to a contract extension, but he's very obviously making the point there that he doesn't have the required talent in the squad to be able to compete at this level. And I think it's proved last night that a couple of injuries, and obviously with Mitro out of the team, we're, we're incredibly depleted. And look, I, I don't fully agree with you saying Aston Villa are a great side. I think they're good. But last night, they, they were not that good. It was a game between two pretty average-looking teams. And one team came out on top from a, a flick on corner. Uh, you know, they had three shots on target all night. I think we actually dealt with them defensively very well most of the evening. Um, Tosin, again, had a really good game. Tim Ream was really good. Tete and Robinson both got in a number of blocks. Uh, you know, Leno wasn't really tested, really. Uh, I don't think he had to make any strong saves the shots on target i assume one of them was a goal there was another one from outside the box which he collected fairly easily um and then potentially the other shot on target was the one that he spilled which again it was just very unleno like as well to spill a shot like that uh, it, it was it was a poor game of football and you know twitter was was buzzing last night with the same sentiment but lots of people saying it was just one of the worst games of football they've ever watched and I have to agree, having got up at 2.30 in the morning to watch it live, I was struggling to keep my eyes open on multiple occasions and struggling to remain fixated on the screen. Uh, it just, it, it was a poor game of football, a poor result for Fulham, though. I feel like towards the end we could have got something out of it, but there were just too many poor individual performances and the team just didn't look cohesive enough to to pull off anything. Um Dad, was there any particular comments you want to make on individual player performances from last night? Well, firstly, I, I'm not that surprised that um, William didn't make it because he did pick up what appeared to be a hamstring injury um, on the weekend. And, You're you know, right, with, yeah. with just uh, two or three days turnaround, it's not that surprising that, that, that he hasn't recovered from that. And let's... I'm I'm glad they've taken a conservative uh, approach rather than, you know, risking anything at all there because he's just way too important. Um, I yeah, look, I thought um, I thought Solomon was surprisingly disappointing actually. Um, he it just 
he he seemed to be um the the magic wasn't there uh he he seemed to be bundled off the ball quite easily many times um his trickery wasn't really working and you know without coming down too heavily on the guy everyone's entitled to an off game but if you compare um last night or contrast last night to those five games where he scored every single time with very very little time on the on the pitch um it 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 wasn't that impressive was it uh, I, I didn't think Bobby Decadover Reed for what Bobby Decadover Reed does for this Fulham side had a terrible game, but um, yeah, it was just meh. Um, we we seemed to, and as the game progressed, we seemed to be getting very frustrated and kind of losing our heads a little bit, and just spiteful little pushes and fouls, which were never that serious. But uh, they were just a bit cynical, really. Um, I thought mm. I, I was just, you know, I know it's a heavily discussed topic, but we are just so concerningly average uh, in the goal scoring department. Not, not, not from our, our wingers. Obviously, we lost um, Harry Wilson, and w- William is always a goal threat. But, geez, you know, in in the the sort of areas where you'd expect to be be dangerous from near to goal, near to the box, oh, just we, we just had nothing. And the number of times we we still seem to be trying to cross the ball in. Um, mm. When well, yeah, as I tweeted last night, it was. One of the shortest starting lineups I think you've ever seen in the Premier League with Dan James, Willian, uh, sorry, Dan James, Wilson, Deckard over Reed, uh, Solomon, Harrison Reed, all sort of five foot eight or under. Um, and even the taller players in the team being Tim Ream at six one or whatever he is. I think he's just six foot actually. Tete might be six foot, Robinson six foot. It's a small Fulham team, and yet we still continued to try and put crosses into the box when you got a centre forward who's five foot seven. It it was just ridiculous. And and it's a shame because we we did seem to adapt the way we played over the last couple of games, but we resorted to chucking balls in the box. And then look, I I don't want to single players out. I thought um Dan James actually had an okay game. Um, I thought Solomon was a little off. Uh, Reed and Polina were okay, but definitely didn't set the world alight. Um, I, I think for me, it proved that Harrison Reed needed a rest, and we could have done with someone else because a couple of times he broke the line there, and I just would have liked someone with a slightly better finishing ability to have been there. Uh, I'm th- thinking Sasa Lukic, obviously here. Just he, he got through and had the opportunity to do something with the ball, and just. He was the wrong person to have there in that moment, unfortunately. Uh, the one person I will single out, though, as having a terrible performance was Vinicius. And I feel bad going in on him constantly because it feels like we do go in on him constantly and he's been given what is effectively an impossible task. But he was really poor when he came on. I think someone said that he actually committed more fouls than he had touches during his time on the pitch. Um, He just didn't get into the game whatsoever. And it was just really disappointing because you're hoping when you make a change like that, that it it affects the game and it just didn't have any effect on the game. We weren't able to hold up the ball through Vinicius. He wasn't able to create any passes. He wasn't able to challenge in the air. I, I just can't see what he's offering this team at the moment. And like we've discussed previously, I would much rather see someone like Luke Harris come in and get an opportunity to play than have Vinicius thrown on up front again. And, you know, it's proven that we try something different and chuck Dan James up front and we actually get a bit of a bounce from it. Maybe it's time to stop the Vinicius attempts and try and bounce with a Luke Harris or, you know, one of the other guys playing in the youth teams who who are scoring goals. Terry, Terry Blade? No. Who is it? can't remember one of the other youth strikers 
um, give them a chance and see what happens. Like, you know, we're coming into a couple of games where we're playing Man City and Liverpool. We're not expected to get results, but throwing Vinicius on is just going to lead to the same things happening over and over again, giving away fouls, not holding up the ball. I'd much rather us try a different different approach. Is that unfair? You know, no. Uh, I, I, I'm now a bit sensitive to being singled out as the guy who picks on Dan James. But honestly, this is not personal. These guys are professional footballers. And I, I, I wouldn't be suggesting for one moment that there's anyone out there in a Fulham shirt who isn't trying his level best. Of course. They really are, they're really trying their level best. but and And we're in a situation where... We were without, a, 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 um, you know, a striker for a, a very long time. And what the hell do we do? But I'm sorry, um, in my in my personal view, um, Dan, Dan James is nowhere near good enough. And I know I'll probably cop some flack for that, but he's just not anywhere near good enough. He's fast, but he's, his skills and control of the ball are really disappointing. <clears throat> he's just not good enough. I, th- I think that's still fair. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you on that. We we need a better option up front going into next season for sure. Um, I, I don't think he had a bad game yesterday. Uh, and I, I totally agree with you as well. We It's never a personal attack on any player. And at the end of the day, if you're wearing a Fulham shirt and you're on the pitch, you get 100% support from me and hopefully from all Fulham fans as well because – we always will assume that you're trying your hardest and trying to get get points for the team and win games for the team and for the shirt and for the club and for the fans. But unfortunately, these guys just aren't at the level. Um, and, you know, it is it is always going to be a bit of a championship hangover. You, you have a championship squad. You come up to the Premier League. You try and add players, but you can't buy 11 new players and... and put together a full new starting 11. You can't even buy 11 new players and try and pad out the squad with keeping the core of your team and, and just adding quality. It's going to take a few years for us to establish ourselves as a proper Premier League team, as, as we've seen with Brentford, even with Aston Villa, who, you know, we came up the first time we came back up to the Premier League through the playoffs where we beat Aston Villa. Uh, they came up the season after, I believe, and and they've taken a couple of years to build what is now a really strong squad and challenging, you know, they're currently sitting fifth in the league. It takes time, but it's it's just very, very obvious who the players who can do it and who the players who can't do it are. And I think we need to... There, there's going to be a lot of movement in the summer because... I really think this squad needs some serious strengthening. And, and, you know, as that message from Marco said earlier, there's no way we can't do it without spending money. We have to spend money in the summer. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd go, I mean, look, we are where we are and we've got what we've got and you can't buy players outside of transfer windows and you, it's hard to mitigate when mm. you when you have to try and replace a player like Mitro. Um but it's just unreplaceable yeah. at the end of the day. Well, he, he is, but not from this squad. And and so I'm with you that, you know, why not try something really quite different and give the likes of Luke Harris a go? Really? Yeah, 100%. Uh, especially in the next couple of games where it, it is what you might potentially call it a free hit. Because... Pretty tough free hit for a, a, a kid to come in. Of of course it yeah. is, but you know why? Why not? Why, but nothing why not to lose. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Whereas uh, you know, poor again. I, I'm not to hate on poor Dan James, but honestly, I'm going to say it. I think it was a really poor signing. It's a terrible signing. Um, love the concept. Terrible signing. Dan James on on loan. I don't think it is. I think it's it's a decent it's good signing to. Good to concept. pad out the squad with someone who's got a lot of Premier League experience and has some qualities at least. Uh, and, you know, even Vinicius as well. It, it made sense in the first place. He's played at Tottenham. Uh, he's got some Premier League experience. He scored a couple of goals for Tottenham. 
I think it's it. They're still not bad signings for our first season back in the Premier League, but I think you just have to say that they weren't good enough this year, and we move on. Unfortunately, it hasn't cost us anything, but they're they're not good enough quality to be in our first team squad. Um, and so, look, I, I think, like I said, it's going to be a busy summer. Um, let's move on and talk about the game coming on Sunday as well. We're going to try and wrap the Aston Villa review and the Man City preview all into one podcast so we don't completely overload people with six podcasts in a week as much as uh, my wife would love me doing that. Um, sure. Fulham Man City Sunday night, uh, well, Sunday afternoon rather in the UK, 3 p.m. kickoff on Sunday, 9 p.m. for us over here in Western Australia, 11 p.m. for the East Coast of Australia. It's an early morning over in America, 6 a.m. start on the Pacific time and 9 a.m. on the Eastern time. Um, have a quick look at the table here. Man City sitting in a pretty good spot, challenging for the Premier League. Arsenal are just having a little choke at the wrong time of the season. They sit on 75 points. Uh, Man City with two games in hand over them, sitting on 70 points. So this game is definitely one Man City will want to close out without too much of a fuss. Uh, picking up that game in hand on Arsenal, moving to within two points and potentially leapfrogging Arsenal for the first time in I don't know how long because Arsenal have been sitting on top of the Premier League for the majority of the season. We can see Aston Villa have moved up to fifth place there, displacing Tottenham, who had that terrible result on uh, Saturday night. Villa now one point ahead of Tottenham in fifth, although Tottenham have games in hand, so do Liverpool and Brighton below them as well. So we expect the table to move a little bit more. Fulham still sitting on 45 points. Unfortunately, lost that game in hand on Brentford. So Brentford are just the one point behind us in 10th. But Fulham still sitting in ninth, still looking fairly good and still have that nice gap over Chelsea as well. Uh, Dad, going into this City game, uh, it feels like we could almost preview this in you know a handful of sentences. Uh, what are you expecting from Fulham? Do you think we're going to try and attack and win the game, or do you think we'll see us sit back and see how long we can hold on for? I know what I'd like to see. I'm not sure how Mark is going to approach this one. You know, if we had an absolutely full hand and all our best cards to play with, I th I think he'd probably go for broke and um, try and attack them and see what happens. What have we got to lose? But I can, can you know if we if we make no changes to the side that finished well not the side that finished but the side that started the second half last night, <clears throat> i.e., assuming Williams injured, um, but maybe maybe Wilson comes back in and Dan James is up front. Um, can can we really go after? City with that side? I don't think so. I think you have to um, try and sit back and wait for an opportunity and maybe try and absorb as much pressure as you can and hopefully not be too far behind at half time and see what you can salvage out of it. But I, I, I just don't know that um, our current stocks enable us to r really fight the man for man and take them on as an equal on, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's never an easy game going into a game against Man City. We know how good they are. Uh, we have scored just the two goals in the last six, seven, eight, nine games against Man City. Uh, in that time, we've conceded four goals twice, five goals once, three goals twice, two goals four times. We know how good they are going forward. They're even better now that they have Haaland up front as well, who I have to say we dealt with pretty well last time we played Man City. But we have to also remember that they did go down to 10 men. Uh, so it, it was a slightly skewed game at that point. Uh, we were also in just superb form, had our best lineup out every single week. Uh, it made quite a big difference. And, you know, I, I think we can be hopeful that something comes out of this game, but... Based on recent performances, I'm not overly confident. I think that's fair. In fact, looking at the game against Man City last time, we actually didn't have Mitro. Vinicius started up front, and so did Harry Wilson. It must have been just as he was coming back from his injury just before the World Cup. 
Um, I'm not overly confident, but again, you you really never know in games like this. Um, we we scored through a penalty last time around. Same could happen again. I, I I do expect we'll see a fairly similar lineup, although I would think that we might make a couple of changes. I put together a rough team lineup here, and it's basically the same one that I called for last time around. I'm hoping that Willian missing this game because of a little hamstring issue actually means that he's fit for the Man City game. <clears throat> I'm also hoping that Wilson's issue was maybe a stomach bug rather than an actual internal injury, which would be obviously a lot more serious. Uh, I'd like to see Harrison Reed rested again as well. I think we're just driving him into the ground a little bit, and I'm a little bit worried that he's going to pick up a pretty bad injury. I also just think I'd like to see a little bit more creativity in the midfield. Um, Dan James up front again. I, I just think Vinicius has to stay away from that position for the rest of the season. Uh, if not Dan James, I think you have to go with with Luke Harris or someone similar. Uh, comment here from Steve Reynolds on the live stream. Just go for it. Remember, City are playing Madrid 48 hours later. So a fair call. The, the other fact is that Man City are playing uh, on Wednesday night, which is tonight, against Arsenal as well. So they've got a couple of very big games over the space of the next seven days uh, playing us playing Madrid, playing Arsenal, you know, the, these are massive games in the context of the rest of their season. Uh, maybe we could be a little hiccup there and maybe we try something completely different because it is such a free hit and and we see Fulham make even more changes and, and try a few more things and bring in a few more youth players because I think the pressure is completely off when you play Man City. Unless you are one of the big six or having, you know, a barnstorming season and you actually think you can take something from the game. I feel like because the pressure is so off, you can throw Luke Harris in the deep end and give him a full start. You can try different things and rest a few players and maybe we even see, I don't know, something like a one of the Pajiti or someone else in the midfield, one of the youth players who's been performing really well in the under-21s. I'd like to see us actually try a few things and give a few guys a bit of experience playing in front of, you know, 40,000, 50,000 people against the best team, probably best team in Europe, and actually, you know, blood a few youngsters and, and give them that, that chance to play in a game like this. And also to prove to the, to the Fulham board that investment is needed because this is our backup and this is where we're at at the moment. If you have to rest players, this is the quality we've got. And maybe we do get spanked off the back of that. But again, it's it's half sending a message and also giving some experience to the younger guys. Dad, your your thoughts on potential lineups for this game? Obviously, there's a few things in the air with injuries and, and whatnot. Look, I think, I think it's actually completely fair to say that this could be a really, really great contest for our defence. Um, and, I, and I think they'd probably be really relishing the opportunity to to go up against the likes of Harlan and co because our defensive unit has been good. You know, it's the one area where we've actually been pretty reliable and pretty consistent over the whole season. Um, so I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I, hope, I hope I don't speak rashly here but i'm not concerned that they're going to put six past us i'm just trying to think of a way that we can score a couple of goals um without getting lucky penalties or something like that we don't even seem to be able to get ourselves in the right position and our bodies in the right position to draw a foul in the box at the moment but well, uh, I think I, based on last night's performance, I, I can't see how we do score goals. Even based on the performances against Leeds and Everton, I know we did score goals, but you can't do that to Man City. No, not at all. But 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 again, to my my point, I, I actually think this could be a really good test and something could be some great viewing to see how the back four and Leno go against you know the Man City attack, and I. I'd back them to do okay. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big day out for the likes of uh, Polina and and Pereira and whoever supports them. It'll probably be Reed. You know, he's probably. he's Tonka tough. 
he's so tough. I, I, I share your concern about absolutely driving him into the ground, but he's a young bloke and he's obviously very keen to play and he, he loves to run, he loves to work hard. Um, but, geez, I, I again, we, we, I feel like I'm on repeat here, but I think it is time to absolutely roll the dice, be creative and be have have some ambition and creativity and just go for it. There's nothing to lose. No one's no one's going going to get you know dragged through the market square for trying something inventive or creative against Man City here. Not at all. Going up front. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I I think you know the the reason managers often don't do it is because they're worried about losing their jobs. I I don't think that's even in the picture here. Silva's not going to lose his job by throwing some youngsters into the team and, and potentially getting spanked and losing a game badly because he's giving opportunities to players. At the end of the day, we, we are talking about, you know, making sure you finish as high as possible to get those extra couple of million pounds. But what's actually more important here, the million, the couple of extra million for finishing ninth rather than 10th or 11th, or potentially blooding some youngsters who could become part of the squad in the next couple of years. We look at, you know, the handful of minutes we gave to Harvey Elliott towards the end of our last Premier League campaign. We look at all the minutes that Carvalho got and how important that was for him um, before he obviously made the the move across to to Liverpool. But these these are opportunities you don't get very often in the Premier League where we we I think we we're one point off being mathematically safe, although forty five points no team's ever gone down with this many points before. Um we're coming into a run of games where we're not expected to get anything out of them. So they, they feel like free hits. Um, we're without Mitrovic. So it's not like you're dropping your best players to play someone else. You're actually just rotating because you, you have to at this stage. It feels like it's set up perfectly for making this kind of change and, and giving some of these youngsters a bit of a chance. I j- but you're not th- risking... My- you, you- you're not risking getting spanked here because you're not talking about or contemplating major changes to our defence. Um, and let, let's assume Reed and Polina play in defensive midfield. You know, that's as good as we can turn out, and there's never been a major problem for us in that area. The, we're, we're talking about the possibility of gambling on something a little bit left field in attack. That's not going to put you at risk of leaking goals. Uh, it, it might not directly put you at risk of leaking goals, but we know what Man City can do. They can put eight past any team in the league, including the top six. When they're on their day, they are so potent. And I just feel like you don't want to be giving the ball away up the field and constantly yeah. being under pressure in the fence like because it, yeah. it'll just break at some point. We need to restrict Man, Man City to only having... 15 shots on goal for the whole game let's say or ideally less but maybe 10 shots on goal for the whole well, game but well to that i think if they only had 15 that. shots on goal you might actually only have half of those or a quarter of those on target and you hope that leno saves most of them because we we get ourselves into good positions but you don't you don't want to put the defense under too much pressure and changing things up the field will will make that happen because we just won't be able to hold I, I, the ball you cannot convince me that Luke Harris, for example, does not have better ball technical ball skills than uh, Vinicius or Dan James put together. Uh, I honestly, I'd, I'd love to say I know, but we haven't seen him enough in the first team to to prove that that's true yet. Uh, I think, based on his performances in the under twenty ones, he's obviously got ability. The fact that he's getting called up to the Wales national team as well shows. He can definitely do it, but we haven't seen him play at the very highest level enough. Uh, and I just feel like I'd, I'd still love us to throw him in the deep end and give him a chance, but I, I, I'm wary that against Man City, potentially it it opens us up to a spanking. And I, I think with the way things are feeling at the moment and the way it's sort of on a bit of a knife edge at the moment, which way we fall if we peter out for the rest of the season or if we put in some really good performances for the rest of the season. You know, everyone's got their eyes on the Southampton game, which is still four games away now, I think, or, or th- 
three three more fixtures for us. Uh, everyone's time looking to, to be that brave because that's when time Mitro's to be back. Brave. I think that's fine. I think it's fair time to be brave. But you know, we've got to play Man City, Liverpool, and Leicester in that time. Um, uh, you don't want to get spanked by Man City and Liverpool by four or five goals. All of a sudden, your goal difference goes from plus one to minus eight in that time. You come up against Leicester, maybe they sneak a win against us because they're trying to fight relegation. And Mitro comes back into a side that's low on form, low on morale because we've lost four on the trot and conceded 10, 12 goals in that time. It It's it's a bit of a balancing act. And it's I mean, that's why managers get paid the big bucks is to balance it and to make sure that they get these kind of decisions right. I, I still would like to see it happen. I'm just wary that it might have such a big impact on the rest of the team and the rest of the season that it might be too big a risk. And maybe you actually wait until Mitro's back and then start bringing, and then maybe drop Pereira for the Southampton game and let Harris play with Pereira. Uh, sorry, let Harris I'm, play I'm, with Mitro, I'm, for example. I'll say it again. I'm, I'm, I'm that uh, sick of it. Sick low of on. No, I'm that. No, I'm that. No, I don't. I don't hate on Vinny, but he's just not good enough. I feel the same way about Dan James up front, and as, as part of that, um, and I, I do agree with you that you don't want to be losing the ball um, up the field and giving them more opportunities to 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 start another attack against you. But I've I'm I know we haven't seen that much of Luke Harris. And and I'm not a Premier League scout or a manager, but from the little I've seen on him, of him, I actually thought he. I'd be really surprised if he embarrassed himself out there. I just don't believe it. I don't I, believe it. I'm sure he won't. He's a good enough player for sure. Um, I yeah. I just I'm just not sure Marco is going to take the chance. But Marco has always been a manager who doesn't take a chance. Um, he, he likes to he's stick pretty with what he knows. He's pretty conservative. He likes to stick with yeah. what he knows and and push through and and put his faith in the eleven that he knows really well. And he knows can get results, yeah. and so I just feel like even this lineup that I've got on the screen here is a step too far for him because it, it's it's into the unknown a little bit. And I think he had his hand forced to get Dan James playing and to get a few other players on 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 the field as well. And I, I just feel like we're not going to see too much of, of anything out of the ordinary going into the, the next couple of games. Um, look, Dad, there's not a huge amount more to talk about. Obviously, we, we're looking forward to this Man City game, but um, with a fair bit of trepidation as well because we know what Man City are like. We can see how they put teams to the sword. But it was such a good performance from Fulham last time we played Man City. Admittedly, they only went down to 10 men, but... We really held the line really well. The defence played out of their skins. And I have to say, Tosin and Ream have got even better over the last couple of weeks, um, uh, or last couple of months even. And, and so I think they should hopefully be able to deal with Haaland, who's obviously you know, one of the Premier League's best ever strikers already, having been here for just one season, not even finishing a full season. But the fact that he's already breaking records and we've still got eight games to go or six games to go in the season is is unreal. The fact that Fulham only conceded to him through a penalty in the final minute when De Bruyne went down very, very easily just shows the quality that Fulham have in defence at the moment. I think that's what we should definitely be hanging our hat on for this game. We've got Leno and goal who's been superb all season and a defence that are really clicking at the moment. I think Robinson had been struggling a little bit in the last few weeks, but he seemed to actually have a pretty good game against Villa. Um, we're hoping that, you know, we, we just try and hold it together and we actually get a result out of this. I think getting a point out of Man City at this point in the season would be a seriously, seriously good result. Well, one of the things that does concern me is a just sort of a little sidebar here is that uh, if we understand anything about the pride and the kind of player Joao Polinia is, I think it's going to be so difficult for him as he comes under enormous pressure against really high-quality opposition in midfield. He's going to want to show his best. He's going to want to defend for his life for, and for Fulham. And that 
probably means him feeling like he wants to go in pretty hard. And he's he's only he's only what two three yellow cards away from a monstrous you know suspend yet another suspension, and I I think facing Man City then Liverpool the next couple of weeks is going to be really difficult for us in that department. Yeah, definitely, and you know that any band that. Um, Polina picks up before the end of the season does carry through to next season as well, which is not ideal. Um, so I think, yeah, you're right. If he gets another yellow, that goes to th- he needs. I think it's 15 yellows, so three more yellows yeah. across the rest of the season, um, and that would be a three-game ban. Um, you know, what have we got? Um, Six it, games you know, left this year. He, he'll easily pick up a yellow across those. And, and three of those, three, three of those, you know, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, massive games against really high quality midfields where he's absolutely going to want to show his best, and he will go in so hard. It it seems impossible to me that he's going to avoid three more yellows before the end of the season. Just impossible. Well, it's definitely something Silver needs to manage because we can't afford to be without Pelinha for the first three games of next season. Uh, even for the last two games of this season, it would really see the season completely peter out for me, I think, if we lost Polina. I, I think we could actually cope a little bit better than the last time when he was suspended because we do have Lukic now to fill the hole a little bit. But the fact of the matter is three-game ban is it's a lot of games to miss. Uh, you don't want to start next season missing one of your best players and potentially having that affect the number of points you pick up early in the year, uh, just uh, I worry, and I I really hope Silver is actually managing that a little bit. And you know, if he's got one yellow, if he's on fourteen yellows going into the game against Man United, maybe it's a game. If if there's not too much at stake at that point, maybe it's a game where Pelin is actually rested to make sure he doesn't pick up a yellow card. Because I I don't I think instinctively he does he just goes in. He can't help himself. And well, I it's love somewhat, that about it's, it's somewhat out of all of our hands as a as a football club as well, isn't it? Because whether you know, no sour grapes intended, but he he now he's a, he's a marquee player, and from the perspective of being someone for the referees to watch, he's, he's missed a yellow card in the Premier League. He's it's definitely as as got a target on his head. We saw the, the, the yellow card against Leeds where there had been eight eight fouls before that and uh, no one had picked up a yellow card. He he makes that foul on the edge of the box. Yellow card comes out instantly. And I, I saw someone on Twitter pull up. Uh, there was a foul on Pereira not more than a couple of minutes beforehand where Pereira turned the player, got his legs chopped out in the exact same way, probably harder than Polina, who just stuck his leg out and tripped trip the trip the opposition player and there was no card for the leads player Polina does it straight yellow admittedly his his card last night I was going to tweet at the time saying it's probably the most yellow card foul that Polina has made all season so I can't really complain about it he slid in was completely missed the player who, who skipped around him far too easily and uh, Polina completely took both legs out so there's no complaints on that yellow card but I really do think we do need to manage that because I, I, I don't want to lose Polina for three games, or be it, be it the last two games of this season or the and the first one next season or, or three games next season or two games. Like I, I just don't want to be put in a position where we can't play our best player. We've seen what it's like not having Mitro in the team. I don't want that to happen to Polina as well. I don't want to lose Polina from, from our team. It's as simple as that. I don't want him sold. Why would I want him to be banned for a couple of games as well? Because we just know that he'll get banned again next season. He's going to pick up 10 yellows across the course of next season without fail. So we're going to lose him for three games next season as well. Imagine if we lost him because he picks up a yellow card in the Man United game, gets a three-game ban, easily picks up 10 yellow cards next season and misses another three games. You lose him for, what's that, 20% of your season? Just ridiculous uh, and just poor management if we let that happen. Sure, sure. <clears throat> it's not 20%, it's like 15%, but anyway. Um, 
So look, this one I will definitely be staying up for. A nine PM kickoff is a little bit more uh, more social. So, um, Dad, uh, maybe get you around for this one, seeing as we've been COVID isolating for the last few weeks. Hmm. Well, that's uh, uh, yeah. Sounds good to me. But uh, yeah, <laughs> get 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 rid of those diseases. Yeah, we. Uh going to disinfect the whole house, do bug bomb the whole house before you come around. Um, but, yeah, look, it's it's going to be a tough game. It was a tough watch last night for the Villa game, a really disappointing performance. And things need to change because we've got the Man City game coming up. We've got Liverpool after that. It's going to be a tough little run for us, and we really do need to see performances lift. Uh, I don't think we're being too doom and gloom on anything. I don't think we're saying that, you know, everyone needs to get sacked and, chuck out the players and rotate the squad completely. It's, it's definitely not at that that point, but we definitely need to see a little bit of something different because whipping balls into the box for five foot seven strikers is just never going to win your games. And uh, it's just disappointing when we see performances like that, when we're all really hopeful and we, we get up and, up and around for a game and it just doesn't fall our way. Uh, and it's not because of any bad luck. It's because of the way we were playing. So Unless look, that five that, and seven player's name is Messi. Well, it's a slightly different story. Um, but Dan James yeah. is not Messi. I think that's a pretty good good line to end on there, I reckon. Um, <laughs> anyway, Dad, thank you very much for taking the time out to talk Villa and talk Man City. I know Sam's very jealous he's not on this one, but he decided he had better things to do. There you go. <laughs> And uh, thank you again to everyone who's been listening along to the podcast. Uh, we've picked up a bunch of new followers in the last week or so. Really appreciate it. Uh, really appreciate the continued support, especially the people who are jumping on the live stream as well and uh, commenting along. Looking forward to podcasting next week as well when we wrap up this Man City game and preview the Liverpool game. So until then, come on, you whites. <laughs>